You're listening to Around Comics, episode 135. Roundtable, where twice a week you'll hear a revolving panel of guests discuss comic books and graphic novels. How much we love comics! How much we love comics. On every Thursday episode, just like this one, you'll hear either topic discussions, creator interviews, Comics 101, or creator spotlights. Not for long. (laughs) Changes are coming. Today we're talking uh, with up-and-coming artist from down under, Nicholas Scott. And I stop for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm Chris but you yeah, had to hey, go to the grocery <laughs> store real quick. <laughs> oh, I'm, Chris, I'm Christopher Naisman. Let me introduce uh, the rest of today's panel. Uh, Join us uh, from opposing sides of the comic book universe are uh, DC War. exclusive artist, Mr. Mike Norton. Hi. And Marvel exclusive artist, Mr. Scotty Young. I like, I love. Comic stuff. <laughs> I love comics. I love Marvel. I, I love, I'm never gonna I love that down. The stuff. In, you know, I like comics because they're on like paper <laughs> and they're colored. Yes, there's like all like the I spectrum, can, man. Can, Have you ever thought about the spectrum? I can put it on both sides. <laughs> I mean, paper has two sides. You can do that. I called Vince to see if we could re-record, and he said it was gold. Yeah, of course well, he it was did. gold. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you catch a. The, you know, a Drunken. moment of retarded magic in a bottle. <laughs> uh, you can't open the, the cork. You gotta keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I left my mark on that show. Didn't I? <laughs> on their final if, if you show. Haven't, if anyone out there hasn't listened oh, no. to uh, Bullpen Bolton's last episode, it's episode 33, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, Chris was on there, and, and it was after a long day of drinking, so uh, it's it's... Definitely it's worth amusing. the download. I love like I love uh, fans mm. of Bulletproof Bulletins tune in for their very last Bullpen Bulletins episode. To be dominated. <laughs> yeah, to be just fucking shit hammered by Chris. <laughs> just love, it's like calling Vince David old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward Slang. to hearing the conversation for the first time. Yeah, it'll be good. Mr. Tom Caters is joining us I, as well. I am a force of nature like Rick Remender, <laughs> according to Chris. And the other uh, force of nature on the panel is Mr. Mr. Brian Salazar. I used to buy my comics at the grocery store <laughs> <laughs> years ago because I'm old. <laughs> uh, grocery store. But now you can buy your comic books at in stock trade. Let, no, we're not moving on. <laughs> no. This episode of Around Comics is sponsored by InStockTrades.com. Waiting, Waiting for, for the, the... Oh, sorry, Tom. I didn't realize your name was there. <laughs> my, my apologies, sir. Please continue. Please continue. Can please continue. I love... I love in-stock trades. Waiting for the trades never been easier. Instocktrades.com offers a huge selection of the collected editions you need. Instocktrades.com is your source for trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, essentials, showcases, essentials, archives, essentials, absolute editions. Essentials, omnibus editions, essentials, and more. <laughs> all at a great discount price. And remember that all orders are $50 ship free. 
Whether you're buying an absolute <laughs> edition and essential or catching up with showcases, essentials and essentials, InStockTrades.com is your new best friend. And they'll call a cab whenever you need one. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Or that fun. Good thing you were home. They'll fucking take you to rehab. <laughs> do. Check you in. Yeah, they'll check you in. I feel much better now. Yeah. Uh, and Around Comics is recorded every Friday at 7 o'clock at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles. It's located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. We're at our new table now. <laughs> yeah, it's Same five table. feet away from the <laughs> old. I can touch the area. <laughs> we're, we're around the corner behind the back issues. Yeah, so. We're hidden. It's just as it's just as awkward to come here and watch us. Yes. It has not become more comfortable for you if you bring your girlfriend. <laughs> Which we've never seen that couple again. <laughs> <laughs> never to well, return. We saw them in Chicago. Hey, hey guys, what's up, Mike? And girlfriend? Uh, Wendy Heidi Shelly I don't remember We got nothing yeah. I talked to her for a while I yeah. was kind of drunk She was a teacher <laughs> I think I hit on her at one point <laughs> Were you a force of nature? I was a force of nature <laughs> In the bar Listen I used to pick up girls At the grocery <laughs> store I used to date girls As young as you We used to get hucks <laughs> Not anymore though Did you guys have hucks Where you grew up? Hucks? Convenience no. stores? No, no hucks? Never saw hucks Never heard That's of them That's actually where I used to buy right. some comics It's a grocery store all right. Well, whether you know or work from Star Wars, various Buffy verse titles, or the current, or as the current artist for DC's Birds of Prey series, there's no denying that Nicholas Scott is a rising star in comics. And around comics is happy to welcome Nicholas Scott to the show. We can only hope she'll be as shit ass hammered as you were. <laughs> I don't think it's possible. Nicola, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on Around Comics. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. How is uh, how is everything down under right now? Uh, it's pretty sunny. The future is sunny. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the it's future. It's Saturday lunchtime. It's like uh, it's like twenty to one in the afternoon on Saturday. Okay. Blowing no. my mind with that. Kind how of is thing. my breakfast tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. It was delicious. <laughs> nice. Do you they, have, they made me a special at the cafe. Do you have any hot stock tips? <laughs> no, no, I don't really follow the stock. Sorry. You know she's going. Ah, oh, these fucking geeks. <laughs> just ask me the. Just ask me the questions, geeks. <laughs> well, you're you're back home in Sydney. You you taken a, a week away from home. Uh, last week was the. Um, uh, it was the what the Apex Summit. Apex Summit. Yeah, it's the Asia Pacific Economic. Something or other. X Men. Conference. <laughs> and it was, um, oh man, it was crazy. There were like bomber jets flying over the house every every five minutes. Yeah, you had uh, like some of the uh, most important world leaders were in Sydney for the for the week, uh, including. Yeah, the, it was pretty horrifying. Yeah. Did, did you guys see anything on the news there about um, a bunch of Australian comedians getting through security? No, <laughs> oh, I, I did hear about that. On I heard um, it was on the radio that I heard some radio show. I heard that. Were you one of them? Uh, it's pretty funny. Were you one? Of, one of them? No, I was driving out of town at the time, but I was laughing. Nice. Well, um, um, speaking of you know, uh, Australia, you are obviously a comic book artist that lives there, and I wanted to start with that. How does how does working in Australia for 
what is you know mostly a, a, an American market and an American medium. How do you how do you deal with a lot of the the problems of being you know an ocean away from you know the home office? Right, um, kind of logistically, it's not really a problem. Like I I do pretty much all of my corresponding online. Um, through the internet and I FedEx everything off to them that they need hard copies of and it really, I don't really feel that disconnected when it comes to doing the work itself because it's such solitary work anyway. But um, the thing that makes it kind of tricky being this far away is all that sort of general uh, incidental FaceTime that you miss out on. Like, um, you know, if, if if you live in the States, like, Scotty, how many conventions do you do a year, generally? Uh, uh, up until this year, I was doing 10 a year for about, right, about three yeah. or four years. Quite a lot of opportunities to just Be awesome. have, like, social interaction with other creators and such. Yeah. And I go to one convention a year, and it's San Diego. So it's like the... the the biggest fucking one there and you've got hundreds of thousands of people to compete with and I'm trying to sort of get FaceTime with as, as many people and, and for no reason other than to just meet people. Right. And because I only get that one chance a year, it's so overwhelming that I, I don't even know who I'm meeting half the time. <laughs> like, is Mike Norton there now? Yeah, I'm here. Can you yeah, hear? hi Mike. Hey. There was a couple of times at San Diego this year that um, Mike was hanging out with uh, Sean McKeever a couple of times, and I had gone for dinner with Sean on my first night there. And um, so when we'd see him around, it was sort of like, hi, we'd have a a chat about this, that, and the other. And a couple of times Mike was there, and I was introduced to Mike. And it was not until on the way home um, that I said to my husband, now, Who's that Mike guy that we were chatting with? I knew it. I knew you didn't know who I was. <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> and, you, you and just... my husband said, oh, that was Mike Norton. And I went, what? That was fucking Mike Norton. Jesus I knew Christ, it. how did I not know that? I knew it. I knew that's it. Kind of what, that's kind of what it's like. Because I, I just sort of, I have no idea who I'm talking to. Because everyone kind of knows each other. Even if they've never met each other, they've got an idea of what each other look like. Right, right. All that kind of stuff, and I just, I just don't have any of that context. So, very first meetings I ever had when I first uh, tried getting into the industry, I had a meeting set up for me by Mark Millar, who I'd met out here for uh, at an Australian convention, and I said, you know, I want to break into American comics, and I was heading over to San Diego that year, and it was like 2003 or something, and he said, I'll set up a meeting for you, and he set up a meeting for me with Joe Casada. And I had to do some homework to find out who Joe Casada was because I just had no concept mm. of who anybody was because I was very, very raw when I got into the industry. I had no idea about anything to do with it. I thought Marvel and DC were the only companies, and I'd kind of heard of Dark Horse. Wow. Can you give us but, a little, um, uh, a little uh, history lesson on, on how you did get into the industry and how, I mean, what sort of was your interest in comics and, and how did that lead into... into uh working in the industry? Well, my, my interest in comics could have, kind of came really late. I didn't even know comic books really existed as a... I didn't know they were the source material. Like, I, I sort of grew up on superheroes from TV shows and film. 
Um, and so I kind of fell in love with, with superheroes as a concept. And so, you know, I was watching the old Batman reruns and I was, um, you know, engrossed in the Wonder Woman TV show and I had the Superman films and I got really into to superheroes through that. And when I would see the odd comic book around, it was either Marvel and I just had no concept of who the characters were or I would find something with Wonder Woman in it or Superman in it, but it was so different from the films or the TV shows that I was used to that I thought it was inferior. I didn't realise it was the source material. <laughs> and it wasn't until um, sort of like my late teens um, when I sort of w would find myself hanging out with a couple of geeky guys and they were into comic books and they, they just sort of exposed me to what comic books actually were and it was in that sort of mid-late 80s period where like the first comic book that I actually read was The Dark Knight Returns. It was handed to me, they said, you should read this. And I did, and it blew my mind. My, my brain just went, you know, out the back of my head. And um, I, I sort of started realising that there's this whole, whole industry built around these characters and that it's a lot bigger than I thought it was and that it is actually where the source material is. That is the source material. Um, and so I kind of... Uh, that was when I first became really aware of comic books, and I was like 17 at this point. Um, and even then, I sort of, I, I just sort of wasn't really exposed to them on a regular basis. You know, I'd sort of, I, I'd go into a comic shop when I'd come across one, and it, it would, it would be so exciting to see all these sort of superhero stuff everywhere. But uh, it was so sort of overwhelming. The, the continuity business and, and all the different characters, it, it was just more than I was prepared to invest in. And I didn't have many people around me who were kind of into it too. I didn't, you know, none of my girlfriends were into it and I didn't know that many guys that were into it, but I liked drawing characters because um, I'd sort of grown up drawing. My mother is an artist and my grandmother is an artist, so it was kind of in our nature to be sort of drawing on a regular basis, but... um. It wasn't until, like, I don't know, late 90s that I started sort of paying a little more attention to comic books. I think it was around about the time that Kingdom Come came out. Um, I go into a comic book shop a little more often and I pick up a few more things and, and I was, wasn't picking up any particular titles, just stuff. Um, anything that I liked the art on was what I'd pick up. Um, and... I'd feel really uncomfortable being in a comic shop, not because I was made to feel uncomfortable. I just felt like a bit of a fraud um, being in there because I thought, oh, I might do this one day. I might do this one day. But everyone there seemed to know everything about everything, you know, all the characters, all the creators, all the industry beers, and I just didn't know anything. So I kind of I shied away from it all the time, and it wasn't until, like, 2002 when... I was sort of having my own general what am I doing with my life meltdown <laughs> that I sort of went through all the different things that um, that I can do or that I have done or that I like doing, trying to find something that I could see myself being happy doing for the rest of my life. And I literally spent a weekend just sitting there thinking, what the fuck am I going to do? And the idea of 
drawing, being an illustrator. I'd, I'd sort of worked as a professional illustrator before doing this, that, and the other, and I kind of found it really unsatisfying. And so I'd always dismissed that as a career option. But here I was faced with sort of the the, the limits of um, what I could choose from. And I just sort of thought, look, I, I should really consider that, but I really hated being a commercial illustrator. What else, what, what else can I do with that? What do I like drawing? And literally in the space of a second, I thought, I like drawing comic. I, I like drawing superheroes. There are people that get paid to draw superheroes. That could be a career. Oh, that's what I'm going to do. And that was it. And literally I jumped in the car. I went into the nearest comic book shop. I bought 150 bucks worth of comics, just anything that I liked the art on. And that was my sort of deciding moment. That was it, what I was going to do. And within a couple of months, I'd sold my car and I'd moved out of my pretty expensive apartment. And I was in the process of, of moving out of the position that I was in at work. I was managing restaurants at the time and doing pretty well at it. But And it was a lot of fun, but it was not what I wanted to be doing in... 10 years' time or 20 years' time. Um, and so I sort of got out of the management position and I took up sort of just waiting on tables, sort of things that were less commitment <laughs> and hopefully less hours. Yep, and me. I just sort of started drawing. You're the and female version of Scotty. I waited tables for seven years before I started. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I had like a, a, a mini career at acting. That was, that was the one thing that I really wanted to do when I was growing up was, was being active but you know if you've met any real life actors before they're they're kind of small people they're tiny um, yeah. They're, they're, yeah they're tiny with big heads and like I'm a big yeah. head but I'm huge I'm I'm like nearly six foot tall and I'm not like a skinny rake six foot tall I'm like a big girl six foot tall and uh, acting was just never happening. I did like a lot of advertising in the nineties. Well, didn't but you? That was it. Well, didn't you, you try out for uh, a Wonder Woman role? How do you know this? <laughs> I researched. I, I, Chris actually, is a I researched <laughs> and found that out. Thank you very much. Yeah, you. you would, ah, James Lloyd. Yeah, I did in um uh, in ninety eight. Um, it was after the the. Producers of Lois and Clark, once the Lois and Clark TV show had wrapped up and ended, they, you know, it was it was such a success that they thought, let's do that all over again with the next character we would choose is Wonder Woman. And so they did a, an outline and they had developed it and they got round to the casting stage. And I found out about this through, like, the gossip column of the newspaper here. And I thought, fucking what? <laughs> and at the time, I was, you know, I was quite a bit younger than I am now, um, and I was a bit of a gym bunny, so I was pretty buff, and I I had a really good outfit that I had made for a fancy dress party, and so for a formal I occasion. my agent, and I said, have you heard anything about this? And they went, no. Nope. And so I rang up Warner Brothers here, and I said, have you heard anything about this? And they went, no. Nope. And so I just sort of did all this ringing around, and I finally got through to um, casting, uh, Warner Brothers TV casting. And for whatever reason, I think because I was calling from overseas, they put me through to the director of casting. And I just sort of said, oh, um, I'm just an actress who lives in Australia. What, what, what do I do to audition for this show? 
And she said, oh, look, just send us some photographs first. So I sent her my headshot and my bio, and I sent a couple of photographs of me in the outfit. And she called me up, like, within 24 hours and said, we just got your photographs. I'm FedExing you a script. And so I started the audition process in Australia. And as far as I know, like, this is... I was sort of getting information from her, and I was getting information from, like, the, the gossip column of the newspaper and from the different, you know, sort of uh, magazines, uh, entertainment magazines, sort of trying to track what was happening with the audition process because I was doing it all from over here. I wasn't really sort of seeing anyone face-to-face. And the last I heard, I was sort of down to the final round and it was between me and a chick from Baywatch <laughs> and possibly somebody else and... They had said to me, you know, how quickly can you get here if we need you to get here? And I said, I'm, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow, you know, put me on the first flight. And I thought, all I need to do is dye my hair black and I'll be right. And um, and I, I was auditioning with, like, scenes from the pilot, and it was so awful. It was really kind of <laughs> wet and, and cheesy and foul it was kind of like the, the Lois and Clark show in that it was about the relationship she had with Steve Trevor but Steve Trevor was such a pussy and <laughs> and she just seemed like such a she seemed so sort of stupid to the fact that he was a you know a bit of a wet blanket and it was just um it's staying true to the source it was material really awful but I thought I don't give a shit you know I'm going to get paid to run around for five years in knee high boots awesome um, but it didn't happen. They sort of they flaked on the show. And as far as I know, I'm, I heard this sort of only about three years ago, but the producers of that, the production company kind of evolved. They dumped it because it was just sort of not going where they wanted it to go. Um, but I think they ended up going back to the drawing board with Superman, and I think that's where Smallville came from. So when do you hear it? They just sort of... <laughs> when do you hear? When do you hear if you got the role? <laughs> when do I hear? Yeah. Well, if they call me now, I'm going to have to say, okay, I need six months of serious working out because I've been sitting on my ass for the last four years. Well, good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Back to the uh, the comic side of things. When you when you thought you wanted to do comics, did um, <clears throat> did you just have a desire just to draw comics or? Uh, then or even now, did you ever have the the desire to to want to do your own, create your own material, or, or tell stories, or was it just about having fun? <clears throat> excuse me, drawing. Right. Well, when the decision was made, I know I knew so little about the industry, mm-hmm. um, and the decision was really based on what am I going to do to support myself, rather than I need a creative outlet. And um, it wasn't until I was kind of in the industry for quite a while that, um, and doing a lot of indie stuff that I started realizing that there was, I was enjoying it quite a lot, just sort of working on, on sort of original product. You know, it, it wasn't my original product. It was, um, you know, I, I'd sort of be approached by writers to work on, you know, a new little indie something or other or... Um, something I had already got a publishing deal and, and I, I find myself working on it and I just sort of really enjoyed sort of being able to design characters and um, design the world that they're in and, and that kind of thing. And so it's only really been in the last couple of years that I've thought, oh, I should sort of really think more about what I might like to do creatively because it's, 
I, I did have this goal when I first got in. I want to work for DC, um, just because that was the company with the characters that I knew. But just sort of the the, the process of being in the industry and being exposed to how big it is and how many options there are and the different kind of stuff being published, it's sort of, the, the superhero stuff hasn't lost its luster to me because I, I, that's, that's kind of a bit of a passion for me. But um, it sort of certainly made me more aware of what I could do um, in future. And, and I'm figuring, okay, now that I'm sort of, I'm on the path that I was aiming for, I figure I should sort of stay here and, and milk it and, and and get as much out of it as I can. And, and when I've got a bit more of a name behind me um, and I've got a certain idea of, of some original stuff that I want to follow through on, mm-hmm. that's when I'll start doing that. Cool. Um, but at the moment, I'm just sort of, I'm kind of really happy to be making money again. <laughs> I literally spent, you know, a good... A good like three or four years, I spent three years living out of a suitcase and four years living off, like, kind of hand-to-mouth, you know, just sort of, I, I spent all of my savings trying to sort of support myself getting into this industry. And um, now that I'm making some money again, it's like, fuck that, I just want to make some money for a while. Right. Um, and eat well again and buy some clothes and travel a bit. And it's kind of it's kind of nice. So I think I'll sort of... I'll stick with this for a while, and and I'm still I'm still learning. You know, I've only been doing Birth of Prey is the first monthly book that I've ever worked on, so um, I'm just sort of kind of having fun with having that regular, steady stream of income and work to do, right. and being able to sort of really spend some decent time with some characters sure. rather than just an issue or two. Now, ha- had you spent some time over here in the States um, kind of getting your career going, or, or have you kind of been in Australia the entire time? Working or no, living? I came, over to, um, I came over to the States in 2003 um, with the idea of just trying to stay. You know, I sort of, I'd literally mm. sold pretty much everything I owned and what I wasn't prepared to sell I'd put in storage and that was when the living out of a suitcase thing started and I just figured you know I'll just sort of go over there and at the time I had no experience I'd done a, like a, a cover and a eight page backup story for a small Australian comic book and that was it and I, I figured you know I, I someone somewhere in my past had said this motto, if you want to be a fisherman, you go where the fish are, and I just sort of figured, okay, if I want to go and work in um, superhero comics, I have to go where the superhero comics are, and that was New York, and so I, I'd, I'd been to New York quite a few times sort of through my life at the, t- at the point, and I, I was, you know, having an excuse to legitimately be there for a long period of time was really appealing, and I was in New York for about a year and a half, um, and I spent the whole time working to uh, uh, managing this sort of uh, low-budget hotel in downtown New York and working as a manager at a bar a couple of nights a week and drawing through the middle of the night. Just anything that came my way, as long as it was being published, I didn't care if I was getting paid, as long as it was going to get published because I really needed to build up a body of published work because I didn't have anything. Um, 
then I was happy to do it. And I sort of spent that year and a half sleeping about three hours a day. And that was usually between the hours of three and seven in the afternoon. That's prime sleeping time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where like, that's where I like to get my, my, my rest. <laughs> well, it, the great thing about it was that it, it left me awake and drawing while uh, Adult Swim was on, um, on the Cartoon Network, and I love that. So that sort of kept me going during the middle of the night. Did you ever start losing your mind? I did that for mind? a year and a half, and <laughs> it kind of killed me a bit, but it was fun. And now, you, you're sort of uh, a, a bit of a product of the Internet, from what I could tell. Um, sort of, you, you started putting your work out on different forums, message boards, that kind of thing. I think I read an uh, interview with Gail, where she was talk Gail Simone talking about you. This was, I think, a couple of years yeah. ago, and, and she had said that you, you started putting stuff online and people were taking notice of it, and then it was sort of just like a waiting game People were just sort of waiting to this, see when... When is this person going to get work? Yeah, when were you going to get scooped up? Is that pretty accurate, or, or was there... Was it yeah, um, I kind of... I, I think sort of being so far away, um, you know, the Internet has really helped for me because I don't, I don't get that opportunity to go to conventions on a regular basis in the States. Um, so, uh, yeah, to start off with, just to sort of... Um, you know, amongst my peers, I was on the, the Millerwall forums, Mark Millar's um, forum in the creative section. There, there was just sort of, when I was starting out, there was a nice little creative boom happening in the creative forum there. And I was just sort of posting stuff there for feedback and, and ideas. And there were, there were, at the time, this was when the boards were quite new, and there were quite a few sort of big-name um, creators lurking around there and occasionally one of them would get on there and they'd post something or they'd send me a PM and and say, you know, what what's your story? What have you been doing? What have you worked on? What what have you got coming up? You know, I sort of got little little notes from Warren Ellis and and um, from Mark Millar and from you know, a, a few other people and half the people I didn't know who they were, I'd have to sort of say, Now who's this person? To, you know, my my buddies here. And they'd just laugh at me and say, oh, it's like the editor-in-chief of so-and-so company. And I'd be like, oh, shit. Um, but the, the, the turning point for me was really um, this guy who had known my work, uh, just sort of like a, a, a regular guy who had seen my work on Millerworld and seen my work in a couple of other places, had been telling me I should post my work on Comic Doc on Jeff John's um, forum and the first time he'd said I should go there and post some artwork I went on to the, the site and there was only one forum that was kind of really appropriate for posting artwork and it was called a critique forum and at the time most of the people that were posting on there were kind of kids and at the time I had had sort of you know some reasonably um big time work published I'd, I'd been working for Dark Wolf by that stage on their Star Wars titles and um, a couple of things for Image and I just sort of I didn't think it was an appropriate forum for me to be posting artwork on because it was it was sort of like a real beginner's forum and I just sort of I didn't feel like sort of being bombastic and arriving and saying hey look at my work I'm so cool and so I didn't and um, he, every now and then this guy would sort of send me an email this guy Brian LaBelle, um, would send me this email saying, you know, you should post some work on Comic Block. Come on, post some work on Comic Block. And 
eventually he sort of he talked me around and he said just post some Wonder Woman pictures there are some Wonder Woman fans there they'll love it and so I, I did post some artwork on there and it was I just sort of made a just some Wonder Woman pictures and I said that I'm kind of semi-pro and you know but I hear there are some Wonder Woman fans here um, you know here's some of my Wonder Woman pictures and it was that forum that just went off um Mark Andreco saw it and commented and was sending me private messages and this is kind of round about the time that Manhunter was starting up and saying, you know, what do you do? What's your story? What's your background? Gail Simone sort of discovered me there. Greg Ruckus discovered me there and he's been, like, advocating for me ever since, trying to get me work at DC since then. He was, you know, some of the pages that I posted on there were um, pages from... Uh, sequential pages from his script, his Wonder Woman script. And he was just sort of, he was so jazzed about it, he was trying to get me on the end of his run. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time I, I had very little experience behind me and while I was on the DC radar, they sort of, I, I wasn't ready yet, you know, particularly for one of their, their sort of iconic character titles. And um, it sort of really exploded for me and that sort of got me an interview with Wizard which was like, that was totally, you know, weird to suddenly have Wizard knocking on the door saying, can we do a piece about you because you're on the internet? And I'm like, everyone's on the internet. Why the fuck are you picking on me? But um, <laughs> that, that really helped because when I finally got the job at DC, they said, yeah, we saw you thinking Wizard and yeah, we've seen you for the last few years here and yeah, we trust you now. How do you feel about working on Birds of Prey? And I was like, oh, ding. <laughs> well, I mean, you you had done some stuff for uh, uh, for Dark Horse with uh, the, some of the Star Wars titles, and you had done some yeah. uh, Buffy verse. You had done some Angel work. So Angel, um, they I, I've worked with Peter David on a couple of books. Um, the Illyria, they did a series of one shots, Angel one shots, and they were like spotlight on the oh, yeah, characters. Right. I did one of those, and I did one on Illyria, which was like the the character that. Demigod character that Fred became in season five. She's awesome. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> She's fucking she is awesome. awesome. <laughs> fucking so awesome. I did that one, and I did a Spike versus Dracula issue, um, which was sort of a bit of a rush job, but it was quite a bit of fun to do. Hello, I'm Kevin Gillen, writer of Phonogram, and well, just Phonogram. You're listening to Around Comics. Well, you know, we were talking about the internet and how it's kind of created uh, or, or brought some talent into the industry. One of the, the collaborators that you're working uh, with now, or, or just finished working with, Gail Simone, really got yeah. her start on the internet. What was what was it like to, uh, and I guess we can compare notes here with Mike, what's it, what's it been like to work with Gail Simone? Uh, it's been, it's actually been really great. Um, you know, I, I've sort of been aware of her writing for quite a while. Um and I've only just, in the last couple of years, been buying books for the stories rather than for the art. I'm starting to sort of get to know the characters. You know, if I find out through people that um, me. this <laughs> particular series or this particular trade is a great character development storyline for so-and-so character, then I go back and read it. And, um, and I've sort of become aware of um, Gelsman through one of her... Um, but the Prey arcs that was about Black Canary and Black Canary was a character at the time that I didn't really get and so I'd sort of gone and read that and I thought it was a lot of fun and so when she commented on my stuff on Comic Block that was like a total buzz and I was thinking oh awesome and she's 
the writer of one of the books that I thought I would be right for. Um, and I met her at a convention last year in April at Paradise Con in Toronto. And she and I sort of chatted a, a few times and we got along really well. We sort of seemed to be see eye to eye on, on just sort of the, the non-comic topics that we were discussing. Um, you know, in a group, we just sort of find ourselves sort of agreeing on things. And um, a few months later, when I was back there for San Diego, and I sort of bumped into Gail, and I said, you know, hi, how's it going? And she said, great, you know, how are you doing? You know, because at the time I was shopping myself around, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, same old, same old. And um, she came running up to me the next day and said, you need to go and meet my editor. And I was like, whoa, why? And she said, because there might be something coming up. And... Um, that was that was how the birth of thing came about, and so when when um, when we when I started working uh, on her script, uh, it was like I, I was totally sort of jazzed that I was finally working on a monthly book, and I was terrified that I was finally working on a monthly book because I didn't know if I'd be able to keep up, and I was completely jazzed that I was working for DC because that was kind of like the goal that I had set myself right at the beginning when I didn't know anything and the fact that I was working with Gail who was someone that I'd met and I felt like I got along well with and working on a title that um, I thought I would be really appropriate for and getting to start on issue 100 I was so fucking overwhelmed by how cool it all was um that it took me like a couple of issues to just sort of calm down and get into it and start sort of asking more questions about, you know, what people wanted from me, you know, or 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 just sort of feeling feeling game to make suggestions and stuff. And um, I actually found her extremely fun and easy to collaborate with. And half the questions I'd have for her are like, "What's so and so wearing in this in this?" Scene. And she'd just sort of laugh at me at some of the suggestions I come up with. Can, you know, can I stick so and so in a hat? And she'd just go, um, no. <laughs> or that's hilarious. Yeah, do that. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I found I find her script sort of really good fun to work on because there's always wacky characters popping up. The dialogue is so funny that it gives me great opportunity to do sort of you know pretty wacky faces on people. Um, able to work on a superhero book and this is kind of the first real superhero book that I've worked on and it for to be a, like a you know a girl power book is kind of amusing and and for it to have so many characters in it and to be so funny and have such a good following and um, and to be able to work with Gail because I, I just love the way she writes she writes sort of some funny shit <laughs> and I get to draw it which is a total buzz did did you ask her uh, if there was any way that you could uh, get Blue Beetle worked into the book? <laughs> if I could get Blue Beetle worked into it, yeah. Well, that's it's a bit late now, isn't he? Isn't he dead? Whoa! <laughs> Are we talking about the new one. That didn't stop me from asking. <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting you guys. I find it interesting you guys met on neutral ground in Canada. Do you think that was any sort of that did that help ease any sort of tension that might have lied that you were in a, uh, a non-aligned country? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Ask. No, but, but what really did help was the fact that I was a guest at this convention with 
with her and like all these big name creators were there as guests and me. And it was like, you, you know, this, this convention in, in, in Canada, it's called Paradise Con and it's a, it's a smallish convention, but it's just comic books. It's not sort of all the other paraphernalia. And, um, they, they have a really decent size guest list because they're only flying people up from New York or LA or wherever. It's not that far to fly people. And then they fly me from Australia and put me up for a week. And I'm like a nobody. But they, they wanted to bring me over, which was totally, you know, Do you mean uh, it was a bit amazing. Um, when they first invited me over, they said, you know, would you, would you like to come to this? They, they were doing a Women of Comics Symposium, so I think they were kind of rounding up as many women as they could find <laughs> who were working in comics. And when they first contacted me, I sort of got back to them saying, yeah, that's really nice. Do you realize I'm in Australia? And they got back to me saying, no, we didn't. But um, <laughs> our <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> we, can't, we can't take it back and, now. And yeah. I, the you know, I said, you know, do you realize I'm in Australia? Would you like to think about it some more and maybe invite me later? <laughs> and um, But they got back to me saying, no, no, we still want you to come. So they flew me over and they put me up for a week. And that that really helped with the neutral ground thing <laughs> that of being... Being a guest. I live in Antarctica. All these other really big name guests, and I could kind of pretend to blend in. Nice. Mike. Mike, Mike has Mike a question. Had a question. But he's I, got, I didn't know how to how to broach this subject because Gail wanted me to tell you uh, that she thinks it's barbaric and wrong to eat horses, and every time that she sees them, I eat horses. Yeah, and she. Yeah, we went out for dinner. Um, we went back to Paradise. <laughs> I knew there had to be a story behind this because she, I mean. <laughs> She told me to te- well, tell Yilke, you this. Okay, Joan go ahead. Yilke took us out for dinner. Took um, Gail and her husband and I out for dinner on the last night of the convention, and we went to this sort of little French restaurant. Um, and and there was a horse on the menu, and I just it's like what? What the fuck? I've never seen a horse on a menu ever anywhere. I gotta have it. And I said to everyone, I said to everyone, have you have you ever seen a horse on the menu? And they went no. And I said to the waitress when she sort of came to take our order, I said, now, t- tell me about the horse. What's the horse? <laughs> What's his name? She He's said, out back. like a really rich red meat steak. <laughs> and I said, horse is I delicious. haven't had red meat for ages. Hit me with it. I'll have the, the horse. And it came out. It was huge. It was like big. A Shetland pony. piece of red meat <laughs> with with sauce and all kinds of business and, and Gail's husband was just laughing his ass oh, off wow. he'd gone for like a meat platter that yeah. looked like a, a barbie meat platter next to this horse steak that I was about to hoe into <laughs> but it was really yummy well, she, great. I'd eat horse again well she she told me she's afraid I mean every time she sees a My Little Pony she's afraid you're going to slather in barbecue <laughs> sauce and, <laughs> and go to town on it mm, tasty yeah. <laughs> it was really good was this a French Canadian restaurant <laughs> It just said it was a French restaurant, so I just sort of went with it. Was it in Canada? <laughs> yeah, it was in Toronto. Yeah, it's French Canadian. <laughs> uh, well, let's get back. Let's go back to Birds of Prey a little bit now. Uh, after your run on Birds with Gail, now uh, you're getting a new writer. Were, were you surprised at, or I guess he's a hack? He's, he's, he's Sean McKeever. Were you? Uh, I, no, I don't want to say surprised I, I at all, but were you? Were you? Um, a little surprised that because a lot of times when you know they're going to make a change on a writer, they they have a new artist and that kind of thing. But obviously that's not the case here. You you're staying with the book, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but were you surprised at all that that happened, or or that I got to stay on the book? Yeah. Um, 
I kind of have been keeping my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> so, you, well, yeah, obviously I, you've known I, for a long time. I've been but... getting along really well with my editor, Mike Carlin. He and I sort of have been communicating really well together. And um, this is this is an, another thing about being so far away is I have no real concept of um, of how I'm doing. You know, I get emails back from him when he gets the art pages saying, yep, that's great, that's great, keep them coming. And, you know, I think it's kind of in, a, in an editor's nature to just be hounding everybody for their work, you know. It's like that's, that's sort of the, the major, uh, a major part of an editor's job is to just hassle everyone to get their stuff in. And so I've, I've sort of been getting that um, from him, but not in any sort of direct way, just sort of that's been the general vibe. But also kind of cheery and happy. But it wasn't until I was in San Diego this year and we were hanging out a bit and I saw him out of the office that he said to me, this is like the first time in, in like ever that we've had 11 issues in a row by the same artist on Birds of Prey. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah, for, for like years since Ed Bennis, we, we haven't had, um, we haven't had the same artist on for more than three issues. And so he was totally jazzed about that, and he was jazzed that I was keeping up with the with the pace, and um, and it was the first time that I sort of felt like, oh, oh, okay, I've been keeping up, and that's really good. And he wants me to stay on just because um, I'm keeping up, and he and I get along well together, and I think I am a kind of good fit for the book. So I'm just sort of staying on it until they kick me off, <laughs> or. Or he, he seems to think that I'm about to be poached for something else. <laughs> I, I don't think anything in particular, but he keeps saying, you know, oh, something big is going to come along and I'm going to try and keep you on Birds of Prey unless it's something, Wonder Woman. something worthy. Well, I think that's kind of what he was indicating. <laughs> but, you know, that, they've got the Dodsons on there. and, and you Yeah, know. but they don't last long on anything. Well, they're, 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 pretty, they're pretty good for Wonder Woman. I think they're a good match for Wonder Woman. Well, I, I mean, obviously, when when it was announced Gail was going to take over Wonder Woman, I initially thought uh, that you would, you know, obviously be a fit for that and and working with Gail and everything. And I know you're a huge Wonder Woman fan, and that's got to be a dream project yeah. for you to be able to do that. So hopefully, that will, you know, eventually happen that will, at some point. yeah, happen at some point because I think you'd be, I mean, looking at your work, uh, the the Wonder Woman that you stuff you had put up before and. I mean, it, I think you do an awesome job on that, so hopefully that will happen. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I have my fingers crossed for that, too. I, I, I figure, you know, I, I, I wanted to sort of, I was hoping to get on from the beginning of Scale's run, because I knew that she wanted to be on for a while, and I thought, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to have the same creative team on it for a really decent chunk of time. And, you know, if there was going to be a bit, bit of a shake-up with, with the creative team I just figured you know now's a good opportunity to try and get in but they already had you know they're really happy with with um their art team so they weren't about to stick me on it and, and Mike wasn't about to let me go from both approaches yet and so I'm sort of you know I hope it's somewhere down the track but now I you know I want when the opportunity comes up I want it to be a long-term option I don't want to find myself doing a fill-in issue or two sure I wonder woman I want to sort of I want it to be mine for a bit yeah. Yeah. Well, how's it been? Uh, you, you just uh, you had said you just f- uh, finished up with the first Sean McKeever issue of Birds of Prey. Uh, how how Sean doing? Following uh, in Gail's footsteps. 
I'm really good, actually. Uh, the, I've, I've got the next uh, the next script as well, and so I can kind of see where it's going. And it's 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 different. It starts off with a very sort of traditional style birds of prey mission that goes awry, like you know you expected to. <laughs> but it's kind of really surprising the outcome, and it's a little dark. But he he's got the he's got the voices of the characters down perfect um and there's so much in in these scripts I'm, I'm that's the thing that's kind of amazed me is the the scripts that i've read so far i keep thinking you know when, I, when i'm like up to about page 17 i keep thinking oh this must be the final scene because there's been so much before it and then i look at the page number and it's like 17 i'm like jesus there's more there's more wow there's more um He's just sort of packing in quite a lot of um, action and drama and quite a bit of humour. And it's um, I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, the, fir the first issue uh, kind of reassembles the birds, sticks them in a mission, um, and then is, uh, which results in kind of the catalyst of where, what I imagine is his, his long-term story arc is going to go. Um, and so I'm really kind of curious to see the results of all of this now. Um, Do you find Sean McKeever's natural writing voice is that of a woman? <laughs> is that of a woman? <laughs> a teenage girl. Yeah. Teenage girl. Do you find that's just that if you were just to read, let's say, like a diary, would read like a like a woman? He's extremely comfortable with it, isn't he? <laughs> no, it, it, he does have a good um, a good grasp. We'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, T talking about, I mean, uh, about being a, a, a woman in comics, and comic book fans love nothing more than making a huge deal about the fact that, you know, there's so few women that read comics, there's even less women that work in comics, and it always seems like whenever there is a woman like yourself or like Gail that, that do work in the industry, oftentimes a conversation with them turns into nothing more than the fact that they're an oddity. What's in it this like industry. to be a woman working in comics? Yeah, uh, but yeah. Do you feel any? What's your answer to that? Do you feel any? <laughs> I guess pressure about working on Birds of Prey and trying to keep that to a certain I don't know. I, I mean, sensibility or do, do you just feel any anything? Do you think you'd you would feel any different working on a book that isn't Birds of Prey? Look, I, I actually I I am really glad that my first opportunity. In, in sort of mainstream superhero comics is working on a girl book just because that's kind of my comfort zone. Um, and so it's sort of, you know, I, I feel like my art style's still developing a bit. Um, and so I'm sort of, I'm, I'm glad to be able to have that opportunity for now, but I, I don't really want to be stuck here forever or I don't want to be... I don't want to be limited to this for forever. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really grateful when a male character turns up um, in our books just because it's, you know, it's an opportunity to show that I can draw them. Um, but, no, I, I sort of... I, it's definitely kind of... Um, being a girl in the biz has kind of changed my art style a little bit. Um, kind of by... On purpose. Um, by design, um, 
one of the one of the first people that I spoke to um, when I first went to the states, and I I was quizzing people in the industry about. Um, you know, what what kind of work was out there and what they thought of my artwork and such. Um, and and this was in no way meant to be like a put-down or anything. It was just sort of like a, a, a... It was just a fact that he was stating and making me aware of um, was that, you know, generally in superhero comics, boys and girls draw differently. Boys draw with harder angles and more blacks and girls draw sort of more beautiful and there wasn't a lot in the way of um, you know a, a, a history of, of girls working on superhero comics at the time um, that he could reference but you know there, there are a few that I could think of and I was thinking oh yeah I can kind of picture that and at, at the time that kind of started flavouring my work I started on purpose sort of thinking, okay, I don't want to be limited to girl titles because I draw pretty and I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want to not get a job just because um, I draw too much like a girl, even though it sort of didn't quite, like I kind of got it and it wasn't insulting, it was just sort of, it was kind of a bit of a fact. Um, even though I can think of a number of guys that, I thought my art style was quite like, you know, my, my artwork was considerably more like someone like Terry Dodson um, than uh, my artwork is now. But that's kind of because I've, I've started looking at the, the artwork of people that I, I sort of feel like I, I get it and I appreciate it and I like it and it's similar to what I'm trying to do, but it's quite obviously a little more masculine in its approach to the characters um, and the action and the drama. And I've just sort of been trying to learn a bit from those people and try to sort of let that seep into my own style a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I now found myself putting quite a bit more black on the page and I try to go for sort of slightly harder lines um, especially when I'm drawing a male character. Um, and, but at the same time, I don't want to lose the fact that, you know, one of the things that I should consider I have going for me is that because I'm a girl, I should be able to see things a little bit differently or, or, influ or, or sort of um, approach the characters a little bit differently. Hence, I don't put, you know, enormous boobs on all of my chicks or, you know, ridiculously skinny waists or rubber spines. Damn you! But um, you, you would if it was necessary <laughs> for the storytelling, right? That's... Yeah, if, if I'm drawing Power Girl, which I've actually drawn a couple of times, yeah, I give her huge boobs because she's got <laughs> huge boobs. Yeah, that's how she rolls. You know, when I'm drawing, like, a, a teenage character or... Um, Miss, misfit isn't going to get the big boobs. Yeah. Whatever, I'm not, I'm not giving them huge, big, round boobies. I'm giving them sort of little girl boobies. There's so, that weird yeah. thing where all the characters, like, people tend to draw them all the same age sometimes. Yeah. Like, even, like, yeah. the Justice Society. Like, yeah. for, like, 50-year-old guys, you're kind of drawn as 20-year-old guys with mm -hmm. gray hair. You well, know, that, that's Scotty's thing with doing new X-Men, is that these are all, like, you know, Teenagers. 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. Mm -hmm. And that's they shouldn't be yeah. ripped. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, there's only one size well, clothing in, in, you know, comic book world. 
This is David Peterson, creator of Mouse Guard, and you're listening to Around Comics. We do have some questions from uh, the forum, and uh, the first one is from Felt Martin. It says, uh, Chris, please ask Nicola to look into her crystal ball and tell us if she is still going to work on Queen and Country in the future. <laughs> when I heard the plan was originally for her to take over uh, the art for the start of Volume 2, I was really looking forward to it. I know that uh, now it's a long way away, but uh, will she still be working on it in the future? I don't know. Uh, it, it will really kind of be up to Greg when the time comes. And he's always um, right. You know, it'd make me pretty happy. Awesome. It would make Chris happy. Too. I would be. I would be pretty pretty overjoyed with that. <laughs> yeah, I'd just think be happy um, to have it come out. Yeah, like uh, I just. I just oh here's here's a here's a, a piece of news for you. I just signed exclusive for DC um, last week. Wow! Um, so if I'm not still tied to that, and if all the scripts are in and he wants me to, then yeah, I'll sort of you know if it's one story arc, I can do that in a couple of months, and um, I'd love to. Well, congratulations on your exclusive. That's great news. You drive a Thank hard you. bargain. Mm-hmm. We can't be friends now. We're enemies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you should see Mike and Scotty thumb wrestle. He punches week. me every time yes. I show up. <laughs> He's my arch nemesis. He's <laughs> such a company man. You. Such a company yeah, boy. Me, of all people. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a diehard company man. Uh, the next question is from Dan C. He said, uh, in a past interview, you've mentioned being influenced by animation and by artists like George Perez and Kevin McGuire. So what animations made the biggest impact, uh, and I can definitely see the McGuire influence in your work, what uh, was it about his work that inspired you? Okay. Um, the, the primary animation, I would say, was Battle of the Planets. Um, I grew up on that, and I just I loved that show when I was a kid. And I used to um, record it and freeze frame it on the action, and that was kind of where I started learning how to do dynamic figure posing um, was from that cartoon it was just it was so sort of fast and phonetic and and great looking that 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 was, that was sort of a big buzz um, and what was the second bit about Kevin Maguire what what was it about his artwork yes influenced me I think it was the, the fact that he sort of he added quite a lot of humor to his characters and gave them some sort of realistic facial expressions and everyone seems sort of well rounded and and like a fully three dimensional character without him adding heaps of like detail, heaps of line work, heaps of like blacks and such. I just sort of you know, it was when I was starting off he was like one of the artists I could remember from the eighties that I just sort of thought that was that was cool. I liked that a lot. Uh, I was going to say, in your last issue uh, of Birds of Prey, you drew sort of how I would imagine uh, Kevin Maguire would have drawn Green Arrow in the scenes with Batgirl, and just the the funny facial expressions, just with, like, you know, the silly fucking facial hair. You know, like the (laughs) dirty old man with the silly (laughs) facial hair. And uh, when I saw that question, I immediately thought of that, because... just like he does, you, you get across a lot of um, such great facial expressions with humor and how it doesn't have to be big, 
necessarily always silly cartoony but you get enough across like that so that i just wanted to add that for some reason it's not really a question it's a comment. question question yeah i'll put a question mark it's not a sermon well, I, just I a thought that, uh, you know one of the things that i love about people that have a cartoony style is the the freedom that it gives you to be bigger than life with your expressions and your body language and such and what i've always found like one of the challenges and one of the things that I find really fun to do is trying to sort of interpret that kind of extreme exaggeration and body language and and um, expression and such, uh, uh, but in a sort of slightly more realistic style. You know, I don't think I've got an overly realistic style, but it's kind of, you know, it's like that halfway point. And I'm... Um, that's one of the things that I like to do the most. Cool. Um, we got a question here from Chris Chavez. I mean, there's a lot of questions, but I think that uh, a lot of them have been questions that we we've kind of already went over with you. But this is a this is a pretty good one. Uh, what does your typical sure. What does your typical workday consist of? How or what do you do in order to keep your art feeling vibrant and fresh? Um, <laughs> typical workday. Um, I get up pretty early. And, you know, I shower and put my pajamas on, which I work in all day. And uh, I have my breakfast while I'm, like, doing my emailing because it's kind of, um, when I'm having breakfast, it's kind of like the last half an hour of office time in the States the day uh, before. And so, you know, if I've got any any emails that have come in that are about questions that I need to answer, then I can get back to people before they leave the office. Um, and really, I just sort of, I don't know, I, I sort of, I, when I'm drawing the scripts, um, I sort of, I, I come up with ideas in my head when I read through the scripts initially. And then when I read through them a second time, I sort of think about it in my head what the layout will be without actually thumbnailing it at the time. But I'll sort of labor on each page. And I don't actually thumbnail the page until I'm drawing the page. So I'll thumbnail the page I'm drawing that day, I'll thumbnail it in the morning. And it, a lot of it is just coming from the memory of uh, the idea that I came up with when I was giving it the second read-through. But by this stage, I've kind of got a bit more context behind me. I've fleshed out the ideas a bit more from the previous pages that I have completed. And um, and by lunchtime, I should be halfway through the, the finished page. Cool. And that's just kind of how I draw each day. And I tend to finish by about 5 o'clock. And I figure if I haven't finished my page by the end of the day, then I leave it and I move on to the next page the next day. And then I'll just have a catch-up day at the end of the week or, you know, once every two weeks. But that tends to be enough. Wow, that's very weird. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Well, most people thumbnail... The, the whole issue right at the beginning before they start on any of the finished pages. Well, I, no, I think that... But I find, I find when I have done that previously, I keep changing my mind. And so it's like, okay, I want, I want to have really thought about what I want to do for each page. Um, and I suppose I, I could just thumbnail it at the beginning. Right. Um, and then just re-thumbnail each day as I see changes necessary. But um, 
don't. No, I, I think I found, uh, I mean, I, I think people thumbnailing a whole book or not thumbnailing the whole book is, I, I don't find that to be strange at all, but the um, leaving a page until not finish it, that you are the first one I've heard of that one. That's interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. Do, do you do that as well? Yeah. Well, I I feel like my storytelling is um, it's kind of clearer in my head if I if I do it like that, which which doesn't really kind of make logical sense, but um, it kind of works for me. I have a weird OCD about like the page itself. Like I can't gotta finish the. I page. cannot move on to anything <laughs> else until that last panel's done. It's weird. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I've, I figured I, I, I start getting bogged down, especially if there's something that's kind of boring to draw or repetitive to draw or I just sort of, I'm not in that right headspace to do a full detailed cityscape background kind of thing. Um, just better to keep moving. Yeah, so that's I, what I do. I just keep moving, and then if I need to go back, then I go back. Mm. And I actually find that some of the best stuff that I do is when I go back. Mm. Cool. Um, I've got I've got one message and one question. A um, uh, message is from Angela who wanted us to uh, thank you for the wonderful Wonder Woman sketch that you did for her in San Diego, and she showed that off online. It was a great sketch, so she said thank you for that. And my question is: Are we ever allowed to change the intro music to the show? <laughs> um, you can, but it's got to be something kind of jazzy that I can have a bop around to because it totally perks me up that music it's very um it reminds me of like a really sort of um silly 50s 60s film where you know the good kids go to a beatnik bar <laughs> i actually think it's that just, was the film it was from cool and swinging music i like it yeah yeah you you, but you can change us. it you, you ruined us. No. When, whenever you sent that email and said, I do a little dance every time I hear the song, and Sal's like, yep, yeah, we're never changing it. Uh -uh. It's, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> I got your back. Nicola, is there, is there any, but, I mean, you already gave us the big news about the, the DC exclusive. Is there anything else that you have coming out or that you would like to talk about before we wrap up here? Um, yeah, I do actually have something coming out uh, through Silent Devil. Um, oh. It's a book called Halloween Man Super Deformed. Um, Halloween Man is a webcomic that I've been working on kind of since I first started drawing comics. So, uh, and and this, this book that's coming out is like an anthology of all the stories that I've worked on with the creator and writer Drew Edwards. Um, and so it's sort of it's a, it's when I look at it, it's like a really interesting progression of my career because you can see in the first stories that I was doing that I was didn't know what I was doing um, and it's kind of progressed along from there and I think the most recent thing I did for them was about a year ago and it's just one of those jobs that I've always said to him you know if you've got something short that's coming up and I've got the time to do it then I'll absolutely do it for you and I've been working with him for free since the beginning and um, and it's a lot of fun it's like a sort of retro goth horror comedy romance uh, sci-fi book with zombies when it, when is that coming out? Uh, it's coming out in October for Halloween. Cool. All right. Well, tell Sean McKeever yeah, that your eyes peeled for that one. <clears throat> tell Sean McKeever that we miss him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Nicola, it has been a lot of fun, and I'm I'm glad after uh, weeks of trying to uh, get through to Australia, <laughs> we we're finally able to uh, to connect with. She's you. in New Jersey. The whole Australia yeah, thanks thing. Thanks for keeping for being for persisting. I'm so 
start with the castle. Oh no! It was. It was did, did you uh, did you happen to hear the little Easter egg at the end of our last episode? Yes, I did. That was really funny. <laughs> what was it? I, I, put, I, I laughed and I felt guilty, and then I laughed some more. <laughs> I, I, I added in at the very end of our last episode. I added in the. Uh, the phone don't call tell anyone to the uh, to the wrong number. Oh, I don't care. Like, I'm American. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just goes. I'm American. <laughs> I don't care. There's no Nicola here. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. <laughs> I probably thought it was an Apex-related invasion. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nicola, thank you so much, and I'm sure this will just be the the first of many times that we talk with you. So uh, thanks That's for. That's a pleasure, guys. Thanks for calling. All right. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We'll do. Take care, everyone. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Bye now. And we'd like to thank Nicola Scott for joining us tonight. You're nice. She was nice. She was very nice. Let's stop it. He has a she, problem. She's uh. <laughs> he needs hugs. She's too damn cool. She draws comics. She's Funny. I like the Fried idea. Out for the Wonder Woman Dig superheroes. I like the idea that yeah, at I some point. Forming. I got a crush A little Nick, Nick, Nicola Scott crush, yeah. I like the idea that at some point Can't she's just it. like, oh, I'm going to draw comic books, and then she just went and bought a bunch of comic books. Oh, well, this then, is how it's done. And so. Just sat down and draw, yeah. Why haven't I picked that up from the fucking <laughs> long boxes of <laughs> shit I bought? I still, I can't, I cannot draw anything. This is true. Me, yeah. I've seen and it. And I've not tried, really. I mean, <laughs> well, then how do you know? <laughs> You could be if, amazing. You just feel my it. My dad taught me when I was young: if I cannot excel immediately, then shut the fuck then up. Then don't do it, or don't. Yeah, don't well, try. Put the cigar out on your arm. Yeah, stop. If you cannot be the best immediately, stop. So you went into accounting. Yeah, I went into accounting, but I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty good at numbers. Pretty damn good at it. If Michael Bay ever makes a movie about accounting, it will be Tom the Hill Model F because it's always the best of the Bruce best. Bruce Willis. Yeah, and there's oftentimes when I get up from my desk, there's a camera spinning around <laughs> me as I look around at the and all the and all the concrete <laughs> floors are wet. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, there's the best of the best deep core drillers, right? From Armageddon, yeah. and Tom would be the best of the best. At well, accounting. because Taxes, obviously, tax. if you're going to drill a hole into an asteroid, the only people qualified to do it are uh, a ragtag group of oil yes. drillers. <laughs> yes. well, Makes sense. We'll save this for another time. All right. Well, uh, once again, want to thank thank Nicola for joining us, uh, and uh, mm -hmm. she sews her own Wonder Woman costumes, which I don't know about you. You know, I will. I will applaud real quick the fact that somebody on the show is finally having a crush on the opposite sex. (laughs) Yeah, finally. What are you talking about? Good point. I mean, we're finally getting to where we're up on you. Chris, well, I have a man crush on like Jeff the... Johns. We've just never talked to Jeff Johns, so oh, it, it's never, that. it's never. But we really are come we're up. slowly getting to the point that man. Hey, if more women drew women. comics, it would be a little easier. For I like us, yeah. you know? I like the direction. Well, if Jeff Johns was a woman, it would be more comfortable. <laughs> He's Wouldn't not. Quite all right. I just deal with what I have. <laughs> if my girlfriend wrote Booster Gold, that would be perfect. <laughs> she didn't. All right. Jeff Johns did. So I got to deal with that. <laughs> all right. Well, something. Another thing we have to deal with is some listener email. Oh my goodness, we do have some. Listener Let's hear emails. some of these. All right. First one's from John. John said, "Just listen to the trades versus singles episode. The problem I have with trades is by the time the trade comes out, I have already seen or heard the ending of the story. So I hate waiting for the trade. The other problem is now that you, you can tell too much. Uh, the, the other problem is now that you can tell the story 
that, that now that you can tell a story is being written for a trade. Some stories shouldn't be so long, and you can tell they are drawing them out so they can put it out in trade. I am real torn on the whole thing. You guys are the best. Love your podcast. John. You're, John, you're wrong. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> John, you're right. I agree kidding, with you. Kidding, well, kidding. part of... Part, I mean, I think... Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm... I kind of dealt with determining that I wanted to read trades or most everything in trades. Getting is like, over that weekly fix. Well, it wasn't that so much, but it's like because of the show and everything, it's like I pay so much attention to the comic book news and what's going on and previews and all that crap that there are going to be times where I'm going to know the ending to a story before I read it, but, you it's, know, It's pretty whatever. easy. I mean, Once you get used to it, it's pretty easy to know what to things stay to away stay away from, from and yeah. not pay attention to. My I, my biggest problem is that I keep telling myself, it's like, you know what, I'm going to cut back a little bit, I'm going to go to trades, and then I come in here every Wednesday night, and I'm just like, ooh, that looks cool, and I end up walking out of here with 15 bucks. It's a euphemism for drinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, that looks 15 very, bucks very, wink. That, that looks delicious. Wink, wink. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean... It's not for everyone. Yeah, no, I mean, nobody's right or wrong in the situation. I mean, it's yeah, just preference, you, you know? I just, it's, for me, it's just money and space. Do what you want to do. I mean, if you want to be communist, that's cool. Yeah, if you that's hate America. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> if you hate freedom, go ahead and ring some right. issues. Well, here, here's one for uh, for Scotty, and this is from Lenny. It says, uh, what's up, fan men? This is a question for the oh-so-versatile Scotty Young. Any chance you're looking to hire or work with slash teach an aspiring comic artist? You know a chance for your own, a chance of your own to pawn off the tedious crap you hate doing on someone who's so eager to work Sweet. with you that they'll do it with a smile just so they can learn from a master. Well, if so, I'm your man. Well, he's got the he's got the flattery now. We just down. talking about this. Well, I, we were talking about it because I read that. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Um, I don't, yeah, sure. Move I to need, I have uh, about fifteen hundred CDs need to be put in my <laughs> iTunes. Yeah. Uh, Dude, I, I'm having a really hard time keeping up, so you need to... That's This is part of why Scotty and I hate each other, because he knows I'm sandbagging it. I'm putting the thick of CDs and iTunes. Yeah. No, uh, I don't know. It, it, it definitely could be a possibility. I mean, I, I've, I've had people offer it before uh, that have wanted to do it. At the time, uh, I wasn't overly busy with comic book work. I was doing more stuff in animation. I didn't really need something like that. Uh, but, I mean, I've entertained the thought before. I mean, definitely there's a lot of extra stuff that I think could be done that could leave room for more drawing and help, and, and I think show other, like, aspiring artists that doing this is not just about drawing. Yeah. A lot of people think that you're eight hours a day at the is drawing yeah. table. I mean, people got re- to remember that there is the... You know the hours and hours you have to spend clearing your computer of the. I mean, for me especially, I mean, porn. The porn. <laughs> no, I don't clear that. That stays right where the fuck it. Organizing e- email correspondence. Well, there's email correspondence. There's, I mean, gigs and gigs of files on your computer that you know at right. some point Photoshop you have to get these files off and back them up and and things yeah. like that. And these are all part of. I mean, office work. There's clerical work to do when you're a comic book artist. Right. So you're running you your own business. Do, do, I mean. um, Either one of you guys or both of you keep an artist morgue, you know, a collection, whether it's digital or a paper morgue of, you know, scenes or um, different poses, that kind of stuff. That's Digitally w- w- now, maybe. I mean, there's really no reason to have a morgue as yeah. traditionally used so to when, be. When we talked to Gene Colon, he used to have, you know, like yeah. drawers and drawers. The and way they used to do it, yeah, but... 
the way the internet has completely annihilated that. Right. Yeah. I mean, Google bookmarks. I have lots of bookmarks. Okay. But other than that, I will do it for the. Oh, I I don't do it for everything, but certain things, buildings. Uh, you know, if like certain like reference things that you use over and over and over. So if I found four or five really good photos of different. You know, cityscapes or ten photos of cityscapes. Or I'll have certain generic folders like city photos, mm-hmm. sky photos, or certain things that I'm gonna that I know that I'm gonna use <coughs> our color palette. Well, I need to get those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things that are, or I'll find cool color palettes that I'll be able to use in colors or or covers and whatnot. So, but nothing to the extent where file cabinets and file cabinets right. filled with. Yeah, just because it's so readily available. Yeah. I usually delete Google the stuff search. right after I've right. used it. So. Going back to the intern thing, do you guys know, I mean, does that sort of thing, thing happen anymore a lot? I mean, I know, you, hearing stories and interviews and stuff with, you know, older creators, you had, you know, the guys that worked in, like, studios and bullpen mm-hmm. systems, mm-hmm. and you had a lot of that where younger artists would learn from more experienced artists, but mm-hmm. now it's like so many people are working, you know, from home right. that you don't, you have those situations. I think I mean, you hear you more hear on, the, <coughs> on the writing side that you know this guy was an intern at the Marvel. It's like uh, Justin Gray was an intern at DC, wasn't he? Well, I mean, most of the, I, I mean, I look at most of the interns. Uh, Tim was an intern. Seeley was an intern. Sid at Marvel, was a, yeah. in, intern at Marvel. I mean, there's a lot of interns that end up becoming editors or you know associate editors and stuff at companies. Um, I mean, I don't know anybody artist-wise who's who's pulled one up. I guess it would really just depend on. The amount of work that you have right. and the amount of responsibilities that you have. I mean, uh, for me, you know, sometimes juggling the comic book work with design work and animation or whatever. I mean, sometimes it you do get frustrated with the day and like, oh my, I also need to clean my house when I, you know, right, I need right. to leave enough time at the end of the day to do real life stuff. So maybe if my day, if even if I could save two hours by having someone learn some of this and sometimes i mean just having a person around watching you they can pick up a lot of uh what you're doing the art yeah. stuff and things like that so i mean i don't know i mean maybe i'll have keep someone make guys. love to your girlfriend when you're, <laughs> when you're too tired yeah, yeah, too like, tired. Yeah, just go do it here's how we roll all right tom next one, one last more. email one more last email for the day uh this is from mike <clears throat> what gets me looking up at the ceiling and pondering in the universe Hearing Scotty talk about the anti-establishment rage, rage concert he went to and his love for Super Walmart in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> yeah, but what? Isn't that like calling Dick Cheney an asshole bigot while checking your oil stocks? Well, <laughs> that would be like while buying your oil stocks or voting for him, I guess. Or saying fuck you to Stan Lee while wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. Mm. Well, as long as you bought the you Spider-Man t-shirt, Steve I think Dicko. Stan Lee would yeah. be cool. Uh, <laughs> glad Sal and Scotty are back. Chris and Tom are fucking boring without you guys. <gasps> oh, oh and Thomas Rabin from Eating During Podcast from now on. My doctor prescribes that I eat during. <laughs> Dude, you chewed your way right through the microphone, and I did. So anyway, love the show. I love you guys. Love the ghost of John Centris and Scotty spells his name fucking weird. You guys rock. Peace oh, out. You I, know what? I can have... Uh, it's, uh, it's the weird mix of yeah. hate and love. Yeah. How I many backhanded hate? compliments can yeah, you I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, check this out, uh, bipolar Ike. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't hate on me because I have many layers like an onion. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's many layers of Scotty. I can Onions hate the machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they're fucking delicious on the hamburger. Yes. Like I, Scotty is. I can. <laughs> <laughs> pick them off. Yeah. yeah sure. uh, just because I can, I can rage against the machine. And also, can uh, shop at Walmart. You know why? 
in the same hour. Low, yeah. low price. <laughs> at the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah, because always, right? There's always low prices at Walmart. In they fact, got, I yeah. uh, know for a fact that while you were raging yeah. against the machine, you were thinking about, about shopping and at Walmart. And you know what's a funny thing about that militant fucking man raging against the machine? Guess where I got my rage shirt at? Walmart. <laughs> hey, I bet rage against no the machine. reason why you should pay high, high prices for your revolution. No. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, exactly. The revolution. Uh, the bad thing is we'll Walmart, be Walmart is putting out. Walmart's putting all the small mom and pop revolutions out of business, right. Right. and they're selling a bigger yeah. revolution for well, industrialists. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to know how this. I want to know how this uh, realist Ike. Uh, <laughs> sent us this information. You fucked up now, Ike. You know what's funny? The, I mean, uh, the machine. I the real question. Walmart.com. So. The real question, though, to me in this is the fact that obviously Walmart isn't anti-establishment, so. Is Rage Against the Machine sort of sellouts? <gasps> oh. I just pissed some people off. Oh, oh, you're going to have the communists on your ass. Oh, no. The squeeze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure those, yeah, those guys are real communists. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Morello will uh, come beat me with a gold populist guitar. Yeah. We got uh, we got a bunch of other emails you know, here. A lot, we, a lot of them, them are sort of, uh, yeah. will take long. Yeah, long. You know. yeah, we'll, we'll get, get back to them. We had a lot of emails about the uh, the trades versus singles episode. Yeah. and uh, it, Some guy begging me not to uh, stop buying stop single, buying single that issues. Was Mark, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was Mark Beatty. Yeah, was, Mark, uh, yeah. Was, uh, not, was, <laughs> Please. Alright, well, that's it. we will bump those, uh, those emails. Don't lose them. We, we will get to them. Leesman. We 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 try and promise. Um, it was pretty non non committal. Mm. All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's uh, let's wrap this puppy up. Uh, just a couple of announcements here. The twenty uh, four hour podcast is coming. Uh, talked about it yes. last week and on Monday, uh, October sixth. Starting at eleven o'clock in the morning. It's I'll be Saturday. Where, Saturday. What did I say? Monday. Monday. Uh, Holy shit! Jesus. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, it'll start on Saturday the sixth. And go at, till at, Monday at eleven. I'll be o'clock. wearing at least a suit. That's the most casual I'll be. Yeah. Is be wearing a fine Italian suit. <laughs> I, I might wear a, tux. a wardrobe for and this. And it will uh, throughout the day. Uh, I'm bringing a change of clothes. Um, so look for that. Uh, more details to come, and, and that'll be on the sixth into the seventh. Uh, you can join our friends of the program. Go to aroundcomics.com, or you can download and print out the LCS Challenge flyer. Ask your comic shop manager or owner if they'll display it in the store. If they do, send us an email. We'll mention you and the store on the show, as well as post a, a link to it on our site. Become a friend of the program today. If you want to use your computer to go online and like touch my privates, <laughs> you can. I mean, touch webcams. Cr- we- Chris's. Private. If you want to go to the iTunes Shore, yeah, go to the <laughs> iTunes Shore. Go to iTunes Shore and touch my privates by leaving a review. A review. And these are uh, reviews since uh, since we had Nicola on this week. These are all of our Australian reviews. Oh, oi, 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 Aussie, Aussie, uh, thank you to Lee Webb, Lord Flashheart, Seaman, <laughs> Seaman, Rebo Kesh, Miatch, that sounds like Biatch. 19. 19, Miatch. and Super Harmon. Rebo, Rebo Kesh sounds like a Star Wars character. Rebo Kesh. I was captured by Rebo Kesh. Oh, hey. If you want to see more of this sort of humor, 
check out uh, check out the website. Her it's, forum. It's less funny. It's less funny. <laughs> it's a little more static. It's a little more dry. It's a little more dry. Uh, we Dryer. post next week's topic on Tuesdays if we feel like it at the <coughs> forum at aroundcomics.com. And remember, you can also visit us at Comic Space and MySpace. But why would you? Leave uh, us do a we cool have a fa- comment? Do we have a Facebook yet? No, no, we're not stop. getting one. <laughs> stop with all this all social networking. Shit. <laughs> yeah. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find more great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. And thank you to InStockTrades.com for sponsoring this episode. Waiting for the trade has never been easier. InStockTrades.com offers a huge selection of the collected editions you need. InStockTrades.com is your source for trade paperbacks, deluxe hardcovers, essentials, <laughs> showcases, archives, excellent editions, omnibus editions, and more, all at great discounted prices. And remember that all orders over $50 for free. Whether you're buying an absolute edition or catching up with showcases and essentials, InStockTrades.com is your new best friend. Essential! Uh, we're proud to help support the Hero Initiative. Hero creates a essential safety net for yesterday's creators who need emergency essential medical aid, financial support for essentials of life, and an avenue back into essential paying work. It's a chance for all of us to give something back to the people who have given us so much enjoyment. We just love them. Yeah. Don't for, stop. For more information, uh, go to HeroInitiative.org or call 310-909-7809. It is an essential charity. That <laughs> was one too many. Shit. Fuck it up, Chris. <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Mark Beatty for hosting us here at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles thank for you, another Mark. Friday evening. I'd like to thank everyone on the live cam thank tonight. Thank you, Cam. I had, had a lot of fun with them. Uh, for Mr. Mike Norton, thank Ms. you, Mike Scotty Norton. Young, thank you, Scotty Young, Brian Salazar, thank you, me, Tom Gators, <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> I'm Christopher Neesman. Enjoy the rest of your week and weekend. We'll be back again on Monday with another full length episode. In the meantime, in, in between, between time, time, we'll be everywhere in and, and around, around the Betty Ford <laughs> Twelve steps. <laughs> hey, a little bourbon never hurt anyone. First step is meeting you. It's essential. It's essential. like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the contact us section of our website. Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time, and the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2006. All rights reserved. It's all extra large and skin tight. You have 78 cents.
remaining. Oh. Please enter the telephone number you wish to dial now, or to get the latest in news, sports, and movie listings, press star. You still there? We oh, lost, we lost her. Card ran out. I had to run across the street to Seven Eleven, and then we kept like getting, yeah, we kept getting like Spanish people on the line and all that. Donde está? It was Earth ESP, where everyone speaks in Spanish. How the fuck is stump?